Proverbs 4.23. And you know, my kids, uh, especially my youngest son, they're all going to be taking their valentines to school. I don't know. Kids still do that, I know. And they're giving their valentines out to everybody, all of their classmates. Whether they like them or not, they're going to give them a valentine. But you know what? In the same way, if we're not careful, we may find ourselves giving our hearts away to people and to things that we should never give our heart away to. Amen? As a matter of fact, the Word of God says this in Proverbs 4.23. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, there's, uh, you know, we don't often talk about what a wellspring is. So, you know, there's other translations. The Amplified Version says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. The New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it will determine, it determines the course of your life. I can think of some roads that I've gone down that I wish I would have never gone down because I did not guard my heart. And this is why I understand now. Don't you, don't you wish you knew back then what you knew now? You know, I wish hindsight is twenty twenty. amen? And so I wish I knew some things, and I wish I would have known this scripture, to guard your heart. Now, to guard your heart, it doesn't mean just to, to, to put a blockade up on it. It actually means to protect it, to watch over it. It means to examine it. It means to monitor. Also, not only guard, but to monitor what's going on. Now, in regards to this, I want you to think about how important the heart is to the physical body. If, you, the, physical, if the heart stops, what happens to the physical body? It dies, right? Amen? Think about when you go to the doctor. If they want to, the first thing they want to do is they want to, they want to pull blood, right? They want to do a blood test because they want to see what's flowing in and out of your heart. Because what's happening with the heart says volumes about whether we're truly physically healthy or not. Amen? And you can have stuff going on in your body that you don't know about until you have some sort of heart examination. I had a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. He's, he was 42 years old. He was at the prime of his life, had a great career, really handsome guy, except he's a little short, but a real handsome guy, had a really beautiful Barbie doll wife, two beautiful kids. He was athletic. He was always working out, and he was playing on the tennis court one day, and he died from a heart attack suddenly because of a heart condition that he had that went undetected. No one knew about. Died in the prime of his life, leaving a wife and two kids because of something wrong with his heart. And the same is true spiritually. If our heart is not healthy, no matter how good it looks on the outside, it could kill us. It could mean your life. Proverbs 27, we're going to be in a lot in the Proverbs today. Proverbs 27, 19 says, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. If you look at the Bible in its terms of using the word heart, it defines the heart as the center of not only all spiritual activity, but also all the operations of life. This is why the scripture says, guard your heart, because the direction of your life is going to flow out of this. And it is the most comprehensive uh, definition for describing a person, because the heart encompasses our feelings, our desires, our passions, 
our thoughts, our understanding, and, and even involves our will. So the condition of a person's heart and what's in a person's heart speaks volumes about their spiritual condition. Would you agree? You can say amen if you agree. Amen? This is why the Bible tells us, it says, above all else, guard what's happening in your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, one of the things the Bible does, I've noticed in, in, in studying, that there's this inseparable connection between the mind and the heart. Once again, in the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs 23, it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it's giving the analogy of a guy that's uh, holding a, a wedding banquet, and he's telling people, oh, yeah, have another drink, have another drink. But the whole time he's, he's, he's counting up how much he's spending. And he's saying, as he's thinking, he's really a cheapskate. He's coming across generous, but he's really a cheapskate. What's going on in his heart is really what he's, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But there is a, a, a natural connection between our minds and our hearts. And this is why I talk about the importance of, of watching over your thought life, because how you think and what you think about will affect how you feel. Amen? And your emotions. And your emotions and how you feel will affect your actions and what you do. I'm going to tell you, for a lot of us, all the enemy's got to do is get you emotional about something. Right? And then you're doing the wrong thing. And you're like, oh, I don't know why I did that. What was I thinking? That's exactly, you weren't. You were just feeling at that time. But there is a connection between the mind and the heart. This is why Jesus said, you know, the, the eyes are the windows to the soul. And, and what goes in here has a connection to what happens in here. Would you agree? Are you following me on this? Unfortunately, what I've seen is that it seems like the things of the world have no problem getting in here and dropping down into here. It's almost like an instant download. The things of the, things of the world... We see it, we perceive it, immediately gets in our spirit, immediately drops down in our hearts. But when it comes to the things of God, what happens? We may receive it into our mind, but there seems for some reason there's this, this natural resistance about the difference between knowing what God wants you to do and it becoming life to you in your heart. This is why it's often been said the, the, the longest journey on a spiritual journey is sometimes just the 18 inches between your mind in your heart. How many people you know what God's will is for your life at times, but it didn't drop into your heart for a lot of years? Anybody been there besides me? So there's this resistance to the things of God. We, we hear the things of God. We, we may even know the things mentally sent to him, but it doesn't get down in our heart. Why? What's the problem? Is there not enough good teaching out there? Is, it, is that the problem? There's just not enough of the word going around out there? I mean, all you got to do is Put on your computer, turn on TV, turn on the radio. 24 hours a day, you can get preaching. 24 hours a day. Is there not enough good word? No, the problem is right here. It's the heart. It's the natural condition of the human heart. This is why God says, i got to give you a new heart. Because the one you got ain't going to work all that well. Jeremiah 17 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? But then in the very next verse, it says, For I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. See the connection between the heart and the mind? You know, we all want to think that we've got a good heart, don't we? 
Amen? I see people that, you know, people be living in sin, and they're like, well, they got a good heart. Really? Let's not misdiagnose this, you know? Because the Bible says that our hearts are by nature deceitful, that we can't even trust our own hearts. It also says that we can't understand it. That means we can't diagnose our own condition, and we can't come up with the cure for it. Thank God Jesus is there, amen? But what I want us to understand here today is that what flows into your life is coming directly from from what's in your heart. Jesus said it this way in Luke 6. He said, a good person produces good things from the treasury treasury of, of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. It says the good things that God does in your life is because of the good things that are stored up in your heart. The evil that is happening in your life is because of the evil that is stored up in our hearts. And it says what you say flows from what is in your heart. Other translation says for out of the heart the mouth speaks. You ever say something you didn't mean to say? Well, you probably did mean to say it. You're just regretting it now. I hate you. Hate you. <laughs> Wish I would have never married you. Oh, can't pull that one back, can you? It's like putting toothpaste back in a toothpaste tube, right? Can't do it. Once that arrow's gone, it's gone. Well, why'd you say it? Well, apparently you said that because something's in your heart. It's representing something that's in your heart. So there are a lot of reasons to guard our hearts. There's, 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 very simplistic instructions from the Bible. Above all things, people, guard your hearts because the direction of your life is going to flow out of that, what's happening in your heart. And I want to talk about, with it being Valentine's Day and everybody giving Valentine's away, I see it quite often that people give their hearts away to things and people that they should never give their heart away to, and they hold it back from things and people that they should give it away to. Amen? And I want to talk about guarding your heart. Five things to guard, five things to guard in regards to your heart. And I actually gave you a cross. We're going to spell out the word heart. How do you spell heart? Someone spell it for me. Okay, let's start with H. You need to guard from hardness of heart. Hardness of heart. There's a physical condition called the hardening of the arteries. Has anybody ever heard that before? I think it's called arterial sclerosis or something like that. And basically, that's exactly what happens. The arteries harden, blood can't flow, it creates things like heart attacks and congestive heart. It's stuff that will kill you, okay? It it creates a condition that will kill you. But the reality of it is, is people aren't born with that condition. It's something that's developed over time. And that you, through early detection, you can do something about it. But the Bible also talks about a spiritual condition called hardness of heart. As a matter of fact, I love the, Jesus often asks his disciples, he he often asks them, are you still hard of heart? Are you still not getting what I want you to get? Because there's, there's times where he feeds thousands of people. Anybody know the stories about him feeding thousands of people 
bread and fish, and there's all these baskets left over, and then he goes again. He feeds thousands of people, and there's, there's not only does he miraculously feed thousands of people, there's all this stuff left over, and then just a few chapters later, you look at it, Jesus says, we're going to go in the boat, we need to go, and they start going, we didn't bring any bread with us, who's got lunch, we didn't bring any bread. And Jesus hears them talking, he's going, what's up? Why are you still talking about not having bread? Did you not, have you not seen what I've done? And he even asked him, when I fed the 4,000, when I fed the five, how many people got fed and what was left over? And he asked him, are you still heart of heart? That's a condition that we need to guard ourselves from, the hardness of heart. You may say, what does that look like? Well, I, I, the best description I've found of this, I put it in a quote so you could read it yourself. It says, hardness of heart evidences itself by light views of sin, partial acknowledgement and confession of sin, pride and conceit, ingratitude, unconcern about the word of God, inattention to divine providences, stifling convictions of conscience, where we just don't want to notice conviction, shunning reproof, presumption, and general ignorance of divine things. That's the, that, that, that is the, uh, the conditions, that is the symptoms of the hardness of heart. And hardness of heart, by definition, it makes us unreceptive and unresponsive to God and to the things of God. That's not a good place to be, is it? That you're not even hearing him, and even if you did hear him, I'm not going to do what he tells me to do. Think about that. We have deaf ears and stiff necks. That's part of that hardness of heart. I got a deaf ear. You know, you know, I'm just hearing pastors up there preaching. All I'm hearing is wah, 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 like on Charlie Brown, right? That's all I'm hearing. Wah, 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 wah. Some of us have heard the message, the things of God, too many times. I had a friend of mine in Chicago that uh, had a recording studio in his apartment, and he lived right next to the L tracks. And if you don't know what the L is, in Chicago they have a subway that goes underground, and then it goes up on tracks, elevated trains. So it's basically a subway on a train track up in the air. And he had this apartment, and I remember we were over at his recording studio. We were looking at this brand-new stuff he got, and all of a sudden it sounded like there was this tornado that was hitting the apartment. Actually, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is that? And he's like, well, that's just the L train going by, man. And I said, man, how do you sleep at night? He goes, I've heard it so many times it doesn't even bother me anymore. And that stuck with me. Because a man that was in the recording business that could listen to the very most intricate things in the recording was able to block out the loudest thing in his life. And we can do the same thing with God. If our hearts become hard. You know what? I heard, I've heard it all. Before. I've just heard it all before. So sometimes we get deaf ears because we heard it before. Other times we know what's right, but we won't receive that truth into our hearts simply because of stubbornness and rebellion. It's called being stiff-necked. I won't bow my life to God. But whatever the heart causes the hardness of heart, Proverbs 28, 14 says, Blessed is the man 
Who, who wants to be blessed here today? Anybody want to be blessed besides me? Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. So I think we would do well to guard against the hardness of our hearts towards God. We need to, re, we need to make sure that we are staying receptive and responsive to God. Amen, church? I don't want to fall into trouble. I want to be blessed. Amen? How about you? Who wants to be blessed? Who wants more trouble than you're already going to get? Okay? Jesus already told you in this life you're going to have plenty of problems. You're going to have, you're going to have much trouble, he said. So why do I need extra trouble? I don't, give me an extra dose of trouble, God. That's what I need, extra dose of trouble. No, I need an extra dose of blessing in my life by being, making sure my heart isn't hard towards the things of God. Secondly, emotions. We've got to guard our hearts from our emotions and make sure that our emotions are not driving our life. Now, I understand that there are different types of people, different personalities. Some people are more emotional than others. Do we have any big feelers in here, really emotional types in here? Okay, there's two of you. And then how many Spocks that do we have in here that actually have no emotion at all? Okay, that's just problematic in itself. And the rest of you are just somewhere in the middle. Okay, okay. But I remember hearing a quote one time that I'll never forget that I wrote down. I said, if you let your emotions be your chauffeur, they will drive you crazy. I should get more amen than just from the visitors. Amen, church? (laughs) If you let your emotions be your chauffeur, they will drive you crazy. And some people live by their emotions. Some people give their emotions more authority in your life than God has ever intended it to be. And a lot of the emotions that we have, simply bad, negative emotions, come from a bad thought life. Remember what I talked about? How you think affects how you feel, doesn't it? And how you feel will affect what you do and how you act. So some of the emotions, uh, it come from bad thought life. Some of them, yes, there are the lies of the enemy that he, he suggests to us, but there's also things that I let my mind dwell on, what I let myself think about. Some emotions that we've learned how to handle We've learned how to get through life with it. You ever seen the little girls that always cry about everything and that's how they, they get what they want? Some people use their emotions. Some people just live, they just live in negative emotions, whether it's anger or bitterness or resentment. They just, they walk around and, and they, and, and, and you know, people say, well, you know, the enemy is just having their way. You know, it may not be the enemy, it may be in me. It may not be the enemy. We're blaming Satan for everything. He's like, I haven't even done anything. I haven't even touched him. No, it ain't the enemy. It's in me. There's something wrong. If I'm bitter and angry and resentful and just generally negative, I need to get along with God and take a look at what's going on in my heart. Amen? Your emotions were never intended to be the driving force of your life. Now, I understand as a natural person, we were given the emotions for things like fight and flight. We were supposed to recognize when our well-being, our safety is threatened. But for the people of God, and I'm speaking from experience, let me tell you, God uses our emotions through the Holy Spirit as an indicator of what's going on in here. If you're driving down the road and the light is flashing and it says, check engine, What should you do? 
If you're driving down the road and the temperature is up in the red, what should you do? Stop. Tell your teenager that. The car was all hot. I was driving home and I was making this clicking noise. I'm oh my gosh. But if it's this check engine, check engine. Stop, look under the hood, figure out what's going on. And I'm telling you, your emotions, God has given you as an indicator in your life of what's going on in your heart. I know that when I begin to start feeling all irritable and cranky and negative, that that's an indicator that something is not right in my heart. Amen? And I'm not, God hasn't given me those emotions to go, well, just go out and chew it, bite everybody's head off. No, God's given me those emotions going, you need to stop a second and you need to get with me and let's figure out why you're bitter. Let's figure out what's getting, why you're getting negative. Why are you getting angry? Let's me and you get together and figure that out. Because that's not how we're supposed to live, is it? Is it? I'm going to tell you, everybody's going to say, well, you're born like that. You got a condition. That's not the truth. One of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 26, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Anybody read that scripture before? How many people could use a little more peace in your life? Amen? He'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And not only will that peace, but if your mind is set upon Christ, not only will you have that peace, that peace will do something for you. Philippians 4, 7 says, the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, it will guard your what? It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So by setting the mind on Christ, I'm able to receive a peace that will guard both my heart and my mind. So it's important for us to guard our hearts from our emotions. It's also important that we guard our hearts from our affections. H-E-A. Let me tell you right now, it is, you need to be very careful who you give your heart away to, especially young people. Let me tell you this. You need to be very careful who you give your heart, your love, your affections away to. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord with what? All your heart. Who's supposed to have first place in your heart? God is. And if you will put God first, if you love him first, that's part of how we guard our affections. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The Bible tells us to love God with all of our hearts. It says this is the greatest commandment. God doesn't just want a place in your heart. He wants first place in your heart. And he's, he's worthy of it. Amen? He deserves it. As a matter of fact, he demands it. Jesus said if you're Love for your family, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your children. If your love for me is not greater than your love for them, he goes, you're not going to be able to follow me. That's going to be a challenge at times. That my love for God needs to come before my love for my spouse, before my love for my children, before my love for my brothers and sisters in the Lord. This is why the Bible says his name is Jealous. And so often I see people, they give their hearts away and their affections to someone or some it may be something not only someone that they should have never 
given their hearts away to in the first place. Let me tell you, if you are unmarried and you are a believer, do not give your heart away to an unbeliever. And if you don't believe me, let me connect you with some people that have done that and let them talk to you about what life with an unbeliever is like. Because you may marry somebody that it's not God's will for you to marry them, but once you're married with them, it's God's will for you to stay with them. And marriage is hard enough. Marriage is hard enough between two Christians, much less the Christian and unbeliever. And I say, well, you don't understand. He made me feel this way. Oh, she's so hot. She's so... You know what? Guard your heart from that then. Guard your heart. Because God never intended you to give your heart away that easily just because someone's hot, just because someone makes you feel a certain way. Trust me, I understand loneliness. I understand singleness. I didn't get married until I was 37. I understand. But give God your heart first. Amen? I see people lose the blessings in their life that God has for them just because of that needing to satisfy needs for that moment. Those Hebrews talks about this with Esau. It says, make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontentment. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing, and by then it was too late, tears or no tears. Esau gave up his entire spiritual and physical birthright for a bowl of beans just to have satisfaction for the moment, just because he was, and then later on he's crying in his soup. He's crying in his soup because he gave it all away for something that would satisfy temporarily. And the problem is that when we don't guard our hearts and our affections, not only may we end up giving our hearts away to somebody we should never have given our heart to in the first place, we also may begin to love even the good things in our lives more than we should. We may begin to love our children or our families or or our even good things, good things in our, our jobs, our career, our businesses. We begin to love these things more than God And even the good things that God has intended to be a blessing in your life can turn into idols really easy because you begin to love them more than your loving God. And you know what? The very first commandment says that you should have no other gods before me or beside me. It says I'm supposed to be the only God in your life. No other idols. How do we do that? We guard our hearts. We put God first. We love God first. And you know what? If you don't love God the most, I'm not asking you to love other people, love your family less. I'm asking you to get together with God and say, teach me how to love you more. I want to still love them. Teach me how to love you even greater to where you have first place in my life. So that's H-E-A. Number R, reasonings. You know, the Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitful, I'm moving along quickly here. I want to have time for prayer. The Bible says our hearts are deceitful, doesn't it? Now, how many people will believe that scripture says your heart is, is, is deceitful beyond understanding? How many people believe that? You know, it's really easy. But yet, we think we know what's best for us. That's the funny thing about it. We still think, even though we read the scripture and go, okay, my heart is deceitful, but I still know what's best for me. I know what God should be doing for me. 
and because of the way I see things, the way I'm, I'm reasoning things. And this is why we need to guard our hearts from even our own reasonings, the way we see things to be right. Because Proverbs 14, once again, says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to what? You know, I, I see people all the time. I see people live together, and then they come to me as a pastor, and they say, well, we want to make it right by getting married. Let me say, <laughs> you don't make it right by getting married. You make it right by getting with God. Because you don't need to get married to make it right. You can make it right today by putting God first in your life, even over that person that you want to marry. Amen? And we live in a culture that says, hey, there ain't no problem. They're going to get married anyway. Is that how God sees it? Is that how God sees it? It's not. God loves you. He's got his best intents for you. And we go, well, we try to figure stuff out in our own minds, in our own way of looking at things. And it says it seems right to us. It seems reasonable to us. But yet, it still leads to death. And the funny thing about the heart and the mind is that, remember I said they're connected? It's, it's like that relationship between the heart and the mind. It's not just a one-way street from your mind getting stuff down in your heart. It's kind of a two-way street. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, the mind can feed the heart both good and bad things. But at the same time, the heart can feed the mind both good and bad things. If, it's the, if the heart is not in a good condition, it can begin to back up and begin to poison our thing. Anybody ever had a sewer line back up in a house? And it's coming up the sink, and it's coming up the toilet, and it's coming up the kitchen sink. Anybody ever seen that happen? It's not a pretty sight. And when our heart is not right, it can actually back up, and it can begin to rise and, and poison our thinking. You know, because it's amazing. I've seen it happen so many times. When the heart begins to get engaged to something, when the heart becomes hardened to God's way of doing things, or it begins to harbor bitter emotions, or it begins to cultivate feelings or affections towards something or someone else more than God, because the heart and the mind desire to be on the same page, all of a sudden our heart begins to change our reasoning and the decisions we make. We want our heart and our mind to be in the same place. But it's amazing how once we're, our heart is engaged to something that's corrupt, the mind begins to justify it. The mind begins to explain it. The mind begins to minimize and legitimize it. You know, we all have that little defense lawyer that lives in our head, don't we? You know who he is. When you do something wrong, you, you, you spout off at somebody, he stands up and he goes, well, my client had every right to spout off at them because they hurt them five years ago. And so you begin to build this case in your mind because of what's wrong in your heart. Well, why shouldn't we go ahead and start sleeping together? We're going to get married in six months, you know, and it's a, we do it. When God says, be holy. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's your reasonable act of worship. But somehow, when our hearts are not right, when God doesn't have first place, we begin to give our affections and we have these emotions and all, it begins to taint how we think. And it begins to corrupt our reasonings. And this is why we need to guard even not only our emotions, but we need to guard our reasons because if our, if our heart's not right, it will even twist the word, of ground, the word of God around to make it fit our situations. 
I've seen people going out partying with their friends and going, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Not so he could party with them. Stupid idiot. He was there to evangelize. Come on. You want to smack him? Well, Jesus did this. Jesus, no. And what it is, is they, their heart wants to do what they want to do, and it's corrupted how they're reasoning. Well, I'll twist the word of God in my own mind to make it work for me. And this is why we need to constantly guard and examine and examine our hearts by seeing if my mind and my reasonings are lining up with the truth of God. We do need to do that. Well, the way I see it, and it don't matter how you see it, it matters how God sees it. Because he's, one, he's the one that loves you. He wants to bring more life in you. It doesn't matter how you see it. It matters how God sees it. And if our reasoning doesn't line up with God's truth, it could be more than just ignorance. It could be that there's something wrong with our hearts. And maybe deep down, I remember feeling this conviction. Maybe deep down that we're still in love with the darkness a little bit. I can think about things in my life. And I'm going, God, I don't want to still be enticed by this. I still, I don't want, I want to, I want my relationship with you not only to be first, but I want to, Love what you love, and I want to hate what you hate. And, and I know you're working in my heart, and I know he's the great physician, but it's only God showing you that in your heart. You're still, you're still in love with the darkness, and you're trying to justify it. Your reasoning is trying to justify it. Your affection, everything's trying to justify it, but in reality, in your heart, you're still in love with the darkness a little bit. And this is why we need to trust in the Lord with all your, it says to trust in your Lord with all your heart and do not lean into your own understanding. Quit trying to make it work in your mind before and being obedient to that. Be obedient to God. I, I tell you, I've realized with God so often, if you're obedient to God, the understanding will come later. You may not understand why he's asking you to do this or why this is his way of doing things, but I've come to realize that if I, I will do it, I'll go, oh, now, now I understand. Now I understand. And lastly, we need to guard against temptation. Or our, I put down our own desires. There was a show called Laugh-In. Anybody remember that? Oh, I'm showing my age. There was a comedian named Flip Wilson. Anybody remember him? And he was so famous for the quote, what? The devil made me do it. We give the devil way too much credit, don't we? James 1 says this, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed and then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. You know, sin always starts out with a thought. That's all it starts out with, a thought from our own desires. And the enemy is going to tempt you. But let me tell you, he's always going to tempt you with what you want. If you've never been a homosexual, he's not going to tempt you with homosexuality. He's going to tempt you with someone from the opposite sex. Amen? If you've never been into drugs, but you've been out, he's going to tempt you with alcohol and not with drugs. Amen? He is always going to tempt you 
from an area that you have, you got a taste for it, you got a desire for it. And it's funny because look at the scripture. It says that each one is, is tempted, that we're, we're enticed, we're kind of seduced, we're drugged away. And it says, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's little, it's cute, isn't it? Isn't a baby anything cute? I saw a baby sloth the other day. Man, cutest thing in the world. It's look at one of them things grown up. They're ugly as all get out. But man, when it's a baby, it's cute. Sin's the same way. Man, look at the cute little sin. Look at cute. Ain't no big deal, but they're cute. This sin grows up and it turns to be an ugly old teenager, mean. Just kidding. But sin grows up and it says when it becomes full grown, it creates death in your life. Don't think you're going to sow these seeds and not experience death somewhere. And you know, it all starts with our thoughts. It all, you know, it all starts with our own desires. And, 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 you know, this is why we need to guard our hearts even from our own desires, our own temptations. Because once again, we think that we know what we want. But we fail to realize that that, heart, that little heart of ours, it's an idol factory. We want to think it's better than it is, but in reality it makes idols, pops them out left and right. And our hearts can't help it. We are preoccupied with what I want. Think about your children. When that child is wet and hungry in the middle of the night and it's, and it's laying there in its crib in the dark bedroom, it doesn't go, I think mom's had a hard day. I'm going to give her a break till tomorrow. That baby says, I want. We're made that way. But what I may want may not be the best thing for me. You know, we think we know what God, God I've, I've got this. You don't even have to think about this, God. I know the solution to my problem. All you got to do is make it happen. We think that we know what is best for us. And what I may want may destroy me. Oh, God, I just want that guy so much. I just want him to become a Christian. I'll just date him and I'll just be the missionary to his life. <laughs> Let me tell you something, ladies, about guys. Guys want things to stay the same. Women want stuff to change. We want, oh, we want it to grow and become new. And guys are like, I just wanted to go back to what it was. So if you think I'd do some missionary dating, you really need to think that over again, especially with us guys. So. But we need to guard our hearts from our own desires. Because what I want for me may not be what's best for me. And what I want may destroy me. And why wait until I have a spiritual heart attack or a near-death experience before we bring our hearts and our desires before God for an examination. Because God does an amazing thing. Not only will he show us the conditions of our hearts, he'll put new desires in our hearts. You know, he has the ability to do that. That what you once wanted to do, he can change to where you have a new desire. Do you know he can do that? Psalms 37 says, Delight yourself in the Lord. 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean he's going to give you whatever your heart desires. That means he's going to give you new desires into your heart. If you really want to, if you really want to, if you know that I've still got desires for things that are not holy, Father God, and I, I want to hate sin, like I want to hate the very sin that I still, I still like, all you got to do is get together with God. Spend some time with God. Confess that to him. Ask him to put in you a new heart in that area. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. So how's your heart today? We're at a time that we're going to, we're all, everybody's going to be telling, giving, just giving the Valentines away to whoever. But God says, to my children, do, above all things, guard your heart. Don't give your heart away just to whoever comes down the pike, to whatever things come into your life. I remember a story. How many people remember Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter? Crikey. You know, it's funny that he died a few years. That's not funny. It's unfortunate that he died a few years ago. And most of us probably don't have to be a prophet to go, yeah, he was eventually going to die by some animal. I would imagine that he would have got bitten in half by a crocodile or, you know, the dangerous stuff, bitten by a poisonous snake or, or something else. But, you know, how he died was really unusual is he was dying with a very docile, unaggressive animal. He was swimming with a, a stingray that had no intention, was not of hurting him, but just by sheer accident, the stinger of that stingray, the barb, hit him into his heart. If it would have hit him anywhere else, it would have just done some damage, but it struck him in his heart just by happenstance, and it killed him immediately. Simply because this man wasn't guarding his heart, he died. And the Bible says, above all things, to guard your hearts because it's going to determine the outflow, the direction of your life. It's going to determine where you end up. It's going to determine what you do. It's going to determine the kind of person that you become in the end. And we need to guard our hearts from being hard to God. We need to guard our hearts from our emotions. We need to guard our hearts about, and not just give it away to whoever comes down the pike. We need to guard our hearts even from our own reasonings and from our own desires and our own temptations. I think of the psalmist prayer in Psalms 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked or hurtful way in me. And if there is, lead me into the way everlasting. As I said, God loves you more than your heart can understand and know. And he's simply presenting life to us continually. He's not trying to cramp your style. He's not trying to steal something from you. He's not trying to end the party early. 
He's trying to bring life to you. You know, when I lived my life, after, when my life was in my own hands and I, and I lived it according to my own heart, I darn near destroyed it. But when I gave it over to God, I began to experience real life. Freedom from bondages that I could not get free from on my own. I began to experience what real love was about. Someone that loved me regardless of what he knew was in my life. Someone that could create life in me and create a new heart. Because I'm not the same person I was when God got hold of my heart. And that's where it begins, folks. This is what it, have you given God, truly given God your heart? And have you given him first place in your heart? And if not, then we need to guard our hearts. First, we need to give our hearts. And after we do, we need to guard our hearts. I'd ask that you bow your heads right now. and I'd like to have a couple of prayer warriors come up here with me. encourage you, if you've not given Jesus Christ your heart, maybe you've been in church for months, maybe you've been in church for years, and you don't have that kind of relationship, you have not given him first place in your life, not given him your heart, if that's you and you want to begin a relationship, a true heartfelt relationship with Jesus Christ, if I can have every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you and you want to begin that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ, if you'll put your hand up in the air, I'll have come, someone come pray with you right now. See that hand? Is there anybody else here today that you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus Christ? You're ready to begin it, a real heart relationship, heart to heart. There's another hand right there. encourage you right now, if, if, if Christ does not have first place in your heart, that we would let go of whatever may be keeping that from happening. But the Bible also says that he is very close. He is close to the brokenhearted. And I want to pray with anybody in here today, regardless of what's going on in your heart. Maybe you've got sin in your heart. Maybe your heart is broken because of what's happened in your life. We want to pray with you. So if you need prayer for anything, right now, while there are people who are, are if, 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 if heads are bowed and eyes are closed, right now, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come forward and let us pray for you. While the Spirit of God is here, is...